I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost Words DraftKings podcast. I'm joined as ever by Matt Vincenzi. Matt, hello. Hey, Tom. Uh, not a great week for me last week, but life goes on. Here we are at uh, another interesting event, I guess. Yeah, life goes on is a good mantra for this one. I think we I think we made some pretty good calls, right? Like generally speaking, it was just once Tyrrell let us down, that was it. Um for us, basically, because a couple of the lineups we created with that. Zalatoris not getting through. Um, you know, I said I was fairly bullish on Cameron Young and the fact that he'd um, got pulled sorry on the bag, but went with Zalatoris in, in the end instead. And it just, that and Hatton injury and things like that. I mean, I don't know if Hatton's injury only really affected that one game against Griffin. It didn't feel like it really bothered him the next two games. It just felt like he couldn't part. Yeah, you know, looking back on the week, my picks weren't good. But I, I think going through it, we did give the right theory and the right way to build the lineups and the way to separate the people. And, like, you know, the, that whole process was the right. But just the guys, it's so hard to get through. I mean, if you had, like, Ricky Fowler, who went 2-1 and one, played great, didn't even get a playoff match. You had uh, Connors, who I was high on and had him going really far. And he goes 2-1 and one and barely loses to Montgomery. Like, um, it just it's just so hard to get out of your group. Yeah, and, like, you know, I don't know. Obviously, Scheffler was hard to take on. We tried to do it with Fleetwood, but it just you ha- you have to make some decisions along the way, and in match play, that's not the easiest thing to do. And as I just said to you, kind of off air, like I, I still don't think, like even now, like looking back on it, there's nothing I could say about Sam Burns that made me think I was going to bet him for this. No, no, he hasn't been playing that good. He was all right at um, you know, one of the events, the last couple of events, but it was a lot putting. It was um, a Valspar, right? Like where he where he normally plays well. Like he just yeah. had good good jibes from there, and he played a couple of the players. But like even during the actual event, his iron play sucked, and it just happens to be that he still managed to ride a hot putter. I think he picked it up in the kind of final couple of matches, iron play wise. But um, still wouldn't have kind of bet him against, especially Scheffler. And Scheffler missed the four foot putt to win the match, so it like yeah, I, I was shocked he missed that. And actually, how he beat Cameron Young surprised me as well. Like Cameron Young yeah. was on fire. I thought Young was going to win, and he just he just got smoked. So really random event. Sucks to see it go. Um, hopefully they find a way to bring it back. I don't know if it's, uh, that's possible or what they're going to do, but it's a really fun. I actually got really involved in the betting of it. Like I, I do like doing the matchups and do three or four matchups a day and just try and you know come out on the winning side. And you know the the, the best the brutal one was the beat with Keegan getting a half against Danny McCarthy. Oh, that was uh, so bad. McCarthy was. They, the players in McCarthy's position were 125 and 0 in that position. Uh, so that sucks. Yeah. But there we go. I think that's the match play well summed up. We've obviously got the Masters to look forward to next week, which we will uh, touch upon either Sunday or Monday um, coming up. Uh, it just depends on our schedules. Hoping for Sunday night. Um, so we can do a real deep dive into it. I'm assuming the pricing will be out maybe later this week. Yeah, I imagine it'll be out like what, Thursday normally. Yeah, Wednesday or Thursday, if I had to guess for sure. Yeah, so I know they always go a little bit early, and there's always there's always one or two players that look really badly priced by the time kind of Wednesday or Thursday comes around. I just hope it's not one of the guys who I really like and want to play. Like like happened up the players with day that was awful, and it you know and it, it made them almost unplayable. So I hope they get the pricing right. I uh, I've I've got one guy on my radar. If people listened to the Pesting show last night, they 
um, probably know who it is already. And we'll, we'll come into it when we talk about him um, for this. But um, yeah, should we jump straight into the Valera? Yeah. Do you factor in Masters motivation? Is there is there a cap of who? Because basically everyone in this field needs to win to get in. So people will be focusing on it for the likes of Ricky Fowler and things like that. But can does that extend to the seven or six k guys that just want to get in? Yeah, it's tough to say. I mean, all these guys want to get in the Masters, of course. Um, and even like the Ricky Fowler thing, like. Uh, and we'll talk about that, but I do like him a lot, but it's nothing to do with his motivation to get in the Masters. Like, if he hasn't been motivated the last four years to win again, then, um, you know, obviously he's not really a professional athlete. I think he's been completely yeah. motivated. A lot of these guys are motivated, and they all should be pretty motivated. Um, but, like, last year, you wouldn't look at the field and say, you know, Spawn, Spawn needs a win to get in, but he won and he, and he got in. So I, just, I think it's pretty equal for everyone across the board. Yeah, I, th- I think it's okay to use it as a benefit. So I think there's, you know, I think using it against the players that are already in, so the likes of Tyrrell and Hideki and Connors yeah. and people like that. Do you know? I, I don't think so. Do you? I think so. Because okay. I, I, th- I think that, like, I don't really see why Tyrrell would be fighting to make a cut on Saturday if he's struggling. Right, the only way I'm thinking of the week, of the year when there was like Hideki, DJ, and Ortiz ended up winning. Yeah, but but I see it seemed like was Ort- I don't know if Ortiz was already in or, or not. Was that Houston before the before? Yeah, the, it was Houston before the like, Masters. Yeah, November, the November Masters. one. Yeah, so I think it. I don't know. It's tough, isn't it? I think it's to me. Uh, maybe it's very specific to Tyrrell. Like Tyrrell hurt his wrist last week, coming off a pretty disappointing group play now comes here if he just struggles slowly out the gate i just don't see the motivation to really fight that hard before going to a next week yeah i mean i think that part of it is definitely true especially considering the injury and all that other stuff he probably doesn't want to push it um and the same with the deck he was right behind him right yeah but I get, those are injury related too the other way i'd view it is like do you think the extra motivation is can be you know you said not a negative but can be turned into like more pressure. So say Ricky has a three shot lead on the back nine on Sunday. Does that hurt him or help him? It's tough, isn't it? Like, I, th- I think it's in that situation, it's already hard to win. There's already a pressure for him to win because it's been so long and he's got into the Masters. It can only really be harder for him, I think. So it's, yeah, it, it, I think that's one of the ways where you just have to, a bit like when we talk about kind of weather splits, I think you, things just cancel each other out and you just have to go with what you think and regardless of kind of Masters, uh, status, you kind of have to back the cars that you believe in, and if you use it as a, a a kind of tiebreaker, fine, but maybe not put all your eggs in that basket. Yeah, and then the two guys who I do agree with you that they're the ones most likely to kind of mail it in if they aren't playing well. I'm not interested in them anyway, so it's yeah. not really going to factor into my decision making. That's fine. There's still whether I'm not interested in Hatton, not interested in Matsuyama. I think they're both. I think I don't think Hatton's potentially injury related. I think he's more just if he doesn't go that well early on there's no real reason for him to push it like he can just go to a customer so he's playing well enough um and if there is any slight twinge on that wrist then he's not going to risk it um Hideki just can't play like injury free at the moment no he's I mean I, I don't know if you saw his comments um last week but he's like he basically said like I feel bad my neck hurts I shouldn't be playing but I'm going to try to play yeah and like why is he here I don't know I think do you think there's extra pressure on these guys who have already committed to play uh, because the events have gotten, you know, the non-elevated events? Um, are, the sponsors are really pissed? 
Yeah, maybe. I guess maybe people are just they're kind of doing tools a favour. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't really get it. Maybe it's just a case of entering and he's just going to pull out. I don't know. But I certainly wouldn't play him for reasons. I, I could definitely make a stronger case for Hatton than Matsuyama. And that's why it's probably $400 in it. But don't like either of them. Um, Ricky's the only guy above 10 k I actually like. Yeah, I'm, I agree with you on that. Um, I like Ricky a lot. He's probably going to be the most popular for good reason. Um, I bet him this week, and people are going to say it's crazy betting him. It was 22 to 1 when I bet. I wouldn't bet 16 that I see now, but I bet at 22. And the biggest thing for me is, like, it has nothing to do with the motivation thing. Um, you know, people are going to read my article and probably say, like, you know, or just skim it and say, like, you know, he's picking Ricky because it's the feel-good story to get in the Masters. But it's really nothing to do with that. He leads the field in strokes gain approach in his past 24 rounds. He's top five in ball stri- striking. He's top five in opportunities gained. He's starting to putt again. Um, it's a good course for him. You know, he finished 17th two out of the last three years he's played it. Uh, so I just think it's a really good course for him. And I think he's playing great golf and the swing looks good. So it's nothing to do with needing to win to get in the Masters. Um, I think he, this is an event he could win if it was, you know, at any time in, on the calendar. And I actually feel would feel a little bit better about him winning the event if, you know, say this was the Blair Texas Open, but it was six weeks ago or like yeah. a different time. In the, I, I'd feel a little better if that were the case, but I still think he could win. Yeah, it feels like the right opportunity where he's been playing well recently, but there's been a lot of elevated events um, and, and the timing's kind of been poor. A little bit like Day, I suppose. I think both are very similar. They've had this kind of renaissance and just run into best players on the weeks where they've played their best. And, you know, Ricky was actually second after 36 holes here on his debut before that 17th place finished. And I think actually in terms of just pure form and strokes gained, maybe behind Hatton, but is he the best player in the field at the moment? I think right now he is because there's all the question marks surrounding Hatton. Um, and even last week when he, after, you know, he said he, he might have gotten through the injury thing or the potential injury thing, he still lost three three straight matches. I mean, Ricky still yeah. won two out of his three and beat Rom and um, looked really good doing it. So, yeah, I think he's considering the question marks around Hatton and Hideki. He's the best player in the field. I mean, it was foul as her one miscut at the Shriner, which was really surprising. But sixth at Fortnite, second at Zozo, 11th at Tory, 10th at Phoenix. 20th at Riviera, where he doesn't necessarily play that well, um, and 13th at the players before a decent show last week. There really is nothing negative about Ricky Fowler right now. I think it's gone too far to the sense of people say, like, oh, you want to play Ricky because he's just Ricky. But now I think this, the pendulum has swung all the way the other way, where it's like um, now he is, like people people won't play him because they don't want to be seen or, or bet him because they don't want to be seen as the guy just playing Ricky to play Ricky. Why did that logic never apply to Jason Day? Because it's, it's it's literally the same thing. Like I guess it's just because Fowler's so popular in terms of a figure, but like they're both at their peak elite players. You know, one of them's won a major, got to world number one. One of them's contended every single major, top three at all of them. They've both won X amount of tournaments on the PGA Tour. Uh, Day maybe slightly more, but why was that logic not applied to Day? Why is it more acceptable to bet Day at these lower numbers than it's Fowler? Uh, it's a good question. I think. Um, day maybe because day was more injury related for a lot of time that he had those down years, whereas injury and the vertigo and stuff, whereas Ricky just kind of lost it. Yeah, maybe, but I, I guess like it's just to me like when when he goes back to Butch, swallows up pride, and he's suddenly really good again. Like it's an instant improvement, and and when that happens, I think you just believe in it straight away. There's nothing really. There's not. There's nothing that seems to be between the ears of Fowler where he doesn't know how to you know mentally get it done. He's just when he changed his swing, it went badly and. It took him swallowing his pride to go back and do it. And now he's done it. I think I'm, you know, I'm fully in on Fowler again. But um, yeah, he'd be the only guy at 10K. And to be honest, I think you can avoid the whole range if you need to. 
Yeah, I mean, you, I think you could too. Uh, what do you think about Connors? I mean, I've seen some people like kind of talk about the way he's been playing, and I think he's being overrated a bit in terms of his recent form. I don't think he's been playing all that good. So the the thing that concerns me with Connors is the his off the tee games up there, and that was one of his biggest strengths, right? Like his his approach numbers are getting back to something close to to good again, but if he's if he's not hitting the fairways like he used to, like every, every you know automatically, then I don't really see the the reason to rush to Connors other than the fact that he's won here before. Yeah, I mean he looked good last week, um, but players he wasn't good. Genesis he wasn't good. I mean. I don't see where people are saying he's playing that good. Even the approach, you said it's approaching those levels that it was at last year, but it really isn't. I mean, look at last June. He was gaining 8.1 on approach, 5.7 on approach, Memorial in the uh, Canadian Open, 13th and 6th. You know, in 2023, he hasn't done that at all. I mean, he gained 4.4 at Sony. Um, That was a weaker, you know, kind of a weaker field. He finished 12th. But after that, he's done nothing. 50th at Phoenix, 61st at Riviera. Um, 21st at API was good but only th- three point something on approach. Like, I don't know. If Connors is going to win, he's going to gain seven or eight on approach and try to like putt level to the field. But I haven't but I, seen. But I also think he needs to hit it better off the tee as well. So like, I yeah. think he, like where you're saying, like, obviously I've probably misspoken since of like giving him extra kudos to his ball striking them before, but like at least he was gaining. Like, I think that's the thing of people like, oh, okay, he's gaining on approach now. So that's fine. That's coming back. But if he's not doing it off the tee as well, like it's, he, he was doing both. That was why he was so good. He was he was almost too good that even if he missed parts, it didn't really matter, whereas that's not the case right now. Yeah, and let's put it this way. He's gotten worse in terms of both strokes gain tee to green and stroke gain approach progressively. Starting last 20 rounds, he's averaging 4.1 tee to green. Last 10, it's 2.6. Last 5, it's 2.5 approach. Last 20, it's 2.1. Last 10, it's 1.7. Last 5, it's 0.9. So he's actually regressing if you want to look at it that way. Yeah, I mean, I'm out, so that's you've made it easier for me. Um, not all that interested in Montgomery. I think it just is what it, if it happens, it happens. I don't really care. That guy, man, he's I, so I was out obviously on Spieth to win, and he just needed to beat Montgomery, and then um, well, it turns out he just needed to beat Montgomery, and then he would have gotten the playoff. Um, with who was it? Um, Hughes. Yeah, but it would have been a three-man playoff. But I mean. Montgomery's just spraying it all over the place and then making like 30 foot par putts. He was speeding speed. Yeah, he he was. And I, that's why I think he kind of is like, I don't think he's that good of a player. I think he just is a great putter and he can get hot and make long par saves and stuff. Like he's kind of like a Mackenzie Hughes too. One of those types of guys. Like, would it well, shock me if he played well? No, but I don't think he's a great ball striker. Well, whereas Spieth does get hot with his irons at times, like he's always pretty erratic with his driver, but he does get hot with his irons. Like Montgomery doesn't. He, he no. just he's just great on the greens, and that's that's fine. Like he can make a living out of it, and, and more power to him. But there's never a reason for me to rush to Montgomery, other than the fact that he's just incredibly consistent, and you could probably feel safe getting him through. But a nine nine, um, that's not enough for me. What people people love this guy. I mean, his irons are awful. His irons are awful. His off the tee is pretty bad he's long off the tee and that makes up for some of it but look at his career he's he's has 66 uh tournaments under his belt he's lost strokes tee to green on average for his career almost a stroke to the field his last five events he's lost 2.1 strokes to the field tee to green um he's not a good player from tee to green no, I, yeah, I, I have no real interest in him. I do have a ton of interest in Siwoo Kim at 9,700, who is the person I alluded to at the start of the show that 
I've got a real strong eye for on on the Masters next week, and I, and I think and I think he's going to be like a seven three option. He could be. Um, yeah, I think he's a, he has a great shot this week. He looks to be pretty popular. Him and Ricky, I would say, above nine k. Those are the two guys who are going to generate the most ownership with Connors and Kirk being third and fourth. Um, you know, so I, yeah, I can see it. I can see it. He has good history at the event. Um, he looked like he was rolling through that event until all of a sudden, um, just coach waxed waxed like yeah, but like we, well, I definitely said he was like basically the whipping boy of that group because of his previous mediocre record at Austin. When you looked into it a bit deeper, like he was reasonably good and just lost some tight matches and then sometimes just mailed it in. Um, but he was, he was so good for the first two matches. And then when you look at kind of, he's obviously got the win already this season. He's been pretty consistent since the Sony. Uh, not really flashing, but he played well again at the players where he's obviously won before. I know that obviously he's popular with people that listen to Pat and things like that because of because of Pat's affinity with him. But do you think overall in the golfing world, he's underrated? Yeah, good point there um, with Pat. I think that kind of balances out. If it wasn't for that, he definitely would be underrated. Um, but I think... Yeah, I think I think he's he's pretty underrated in terms of you know look what he's done compared to a lot of other guys in terms of just wins and you know before he wasn't really stringing the finishes along with those wins but the last couple of years he has been. Yeah, he's, he's definitely been more consistent since COVID. I don't know if he managed to take some time to work on things or you know maybe just a bit of maturity. But he's still only 27. And when I look at it, he's he's had four wins already, including that win this season. He's lost three uh playoffs all by birdie so it's not like he he's marked it out like someone's just beating him every single time he actually led this event for the first three rounds um and then finished fourth he could conceivably have eight wins already by the age of 27 like when you yeah. when you compare that to kind of sung jm and, and tom gim and and all the people that he kind of gets grouped in with together, even even hideki to that point like obviously hideki is a master's winner and you know, won massive tournaments, but I don't know if he'd have done all of, would he have done eight wins by the time he was 27? No, 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 no. So I know, he, I know Siwoo Kim hasn't either, but like he's had the potential to, is what kind of surprises and the, me. And the players is a big one. You know, I know Hideki has the Masters, but the players is big too. And look at the, uh, so looking at when he played the Houston Open, um, that was his, his last start of the year. He gained 8.8 .8 strokes on approach and then his first start, you know, his the next start, even though it was two months later, he gained 8.2 in approach when he won Sony and then kind of took it down a dip for a little while. And then he gained 7.2 at the players, played pretty well at the match play. So he I, he might be trending up with those with that iron play, too. And I just think, again, just adding to that. So actually, Hideki's had eight wins in his career and four of them have come by playoff wins. So kind of the reverse, actually, of what Siwoo Kim's done. But look at Siwoo Kim's major career, 12 at the Masters, 13th at the PGA, 13th at the US Open, 15th at the Open already. Four yeah. top 15s in every, you know, we're top 15 in every major already. No, no top 10s yet, which may put people off. But, you know, what is it? This is kind of his, he's actually played in six Masters already. Wow. And how did he do last year? Uh, 39th last year, but before that. So he missed the cut in his debut, but then 24th, 21st, 34th, 12th. Incredibly consistent. Yeah. What's his, what's the number? 100 to 1. Yeah, pretty good. So I think not only can he contend to kind of, I think I'm talking like kind of like a top 10 here, but I think that's going to be a great asset for someone in DraftKings next week. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if he can win, but he, I think I definitely see him playing well. And do you think he's going to win this week? I think he's got a great chance. Yeah. Yeah. Him him and Kirk are my two guys I think are going to win. 
Okay, Kirk, huh? Kirk, I understand, is kind of wavering a little bit from the form that he had before, but I think he's had some tougher events. He was playing okay at Bay Hill, uh, second half of the round one. Uh, I thought he was actually unlucky a couple of times in the match play. And then when you look at his course history here, it's just it's insane. Like, it's just so solid. And to me, I just don't see a reason why he can't going. Like, I think he benefits greatly from just those kind of people just missing the event, the elevated event. So eighth and sixth here in the last four years, I think is a pretty good sign. Yeah, he's um he's mispriced in the betting market, that's for sure. I don't get why he's for, at 40. I don't get that. Yeah, he's not 40 over here. He's like 28 over here. Is he? Yeah, he opened at 40 here, and I was like, ah, I don't get. I mean, I don't, I'm not interested in him, um, but uh, but I don't get it. But I I do get why you like him. Um, he's gonna be pretty popular. Not for me. I just think a guy like a, you know, a journeyman is that is that fair to call him a journeyman? Yeah, it feels like Brendan Todd though. Yeah, well, yeah, it could be that. But to me, it's like when one of those guys, you know, blow their load, they kind of uh, take a little a little yeah. bit of dip, no, dip yeah, for a while. Yeah, and then, and so far he has done that, and it's been yeah elevated events. So who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I just think it's a, a kind of like like if he doesn't play well this week, when all the signs point to him playing well again in a weaker field, then maybe it's time just to you know get off the Chris Kirk Kool Aid. But all the time he's kind of still hitting the ball reasonably well, and you know he's in a field where he's probably one of the better players. I'm going to take him. Um, Matt Kucha right below him as well is tempting. Yeah, he's my pick to win the event. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to win. I really do. I was, I, I woke up on Monday with a strong feeling about it. Um, I like the fact that he played well in the match. I mean, he played his, he did exactly what you would want him to do in the match play. Gets out of his group. Um, you get a scorching hot sea will came and he kicks his ass. Then he takes day to the 18th hole. And if he, if he goes any further than that at 44 years old, he's not winning this event. I think he saw exactly what he needed to see, played the right amount of golf that he needed to play. Looking at the stats, he was actually, wasn't great on approach, but he gained like two or two or three strokes on approach. It wasn't just all putting from him. I just I made sure to double check that. Um, and a lot of people will say, well, you know, Austin Country Club is his course, so that's why he played well. It doesn't really matter. But so is this. Look at this one. Yeah, it's it's, it's utterly insane. I think he's got like ten starts here and ten made cuts. Yeah, and he in the last three, I think he's finished no worse than twelfth. Yep, second last year, twelfth year before, seventh the year before that. So and I, and you talk about the Masters thing and I again I said I wasn't going to read too much into it, but if there's anybody who I think elevates because of that, it's him. For whatever he's just the type of guy to me that I think plays better because of that. I also I remember probably kind of 2013 2014 time, two or three years on the bounce, betting Kutra Augusta. Like I think it's a good golf course for him. He has played well there in the past. Um, him and Snedek used to play well there, kind of against longer hitters and. I do think he's the one that goes, if he's in the hunt, it actually pushes him forward because he goes right. This, yes. Because it could be his last ever chance of playing the Masters. Like it yep. legitimately could be. Um, I also think that maybe he's just got back to playing well again that he could do it for another five years. Like he's so solid right now. And every, what I like to see out of Kucha is he's playing everywhere that he should play well, he is. Yeah. And that's I, the main I, thing. Like he's a limited golfer. He was a limited golfer in his peak, but he's now an old limited golfer. 12 for the Force Net, 27 for uh, Mayakoba, 7 for Sony, 8 for Genesis, you know, gets through to what, the quarterfinals last week. Like, what more, or the round of 16 last week, what else does he need to do? Yeah, 8 at, eight at Riviera is a really great sign. Um, and I think, you know, you said you summed it up with the, I, I kind of thought 
that I th- that he would play better when he needs to get into the Masters. But you summed it up. You said it really well. I agree with that completely. I think he elevates his game because of that. Um, he's a Georgia Tech guy. I think you know it means a lot being um, you know being in Augusta uh, means a lot to him. Like you said, it could be his last one. And a lot of people get all horned up about 400 yard drives. You know what I get horned up about, Cooch? 250, 220-yard hybrids. Yes, 220-yard <laughs> hybrids, and then Cooch's old ass gingerly bending over to take the ball out of the hole. That gets me <laughs> revved up. Those, those dodgy slacks that he wears with, like, sketcher shoes or looks like sketcher shoes, they're probably not. Yeah, um, he, like, slightly pulls them up before he gingerly bends yeah. over to get the ball out of that. That gets but me going. I still don't like the hover he does pre-shot. That drives yeah. me utterly insane, but... It's the what it's because he's Cooch. I can forgive him. Like he just seems like the nicest guy in the world. And I, I never bought into the whole stiffing the caddy thing in Mexico. Like you know, he agreed a price. He agreed a price. That's it. Um, you know, more for the other guy. But right, um, I mean, not to go on this tangent, but when you give a guy ten percent, <laughs> it's because of all the other things that he brings to the table. Yeah. It's 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 a full time job. The ten percent isn't just for those. And it's and it's a professional. Yeah, exactly, and it's professional. So yeah, I give him a pass. I think he's a great guy. Uh. Nice family man. Love Cooch. He's going to win this week. I think you can start Siwoo Cooch or Siwoo uh, Kirk or even Kirch and Cooch this week and be really happy. Or even Ricky Cooch. That's what I'm going to do. Ricky Cooch. Yeah. It's a nice gap. But because all the all the lineups I've made so far, I've actually struggled to spend money. So if you go Cooch and Ricky and that leaves you 7-6, I get you in a pretty good position. So let's yeah. keep let's keep breaking this down then. So. We like these kind of we're passing like it's 2014 again. Um, Ryan Fox, any interest? No, not for me. No, not for me either. JJ Spawn, I think, could play well. Yeah, he seems like one of those. I mean, played really well last week. He's, I don't like going to repeat performances, but for me, this is one of those situations where it does make some sense. Played really well in the match. So yeah. No pressure, is it? It's not like it's it's not you know you're not coming back and going oh my god I've got defender Valeria Texas open like if you're playing well and you're returning somebody you like then then great. He'll be pretty low owned. Fox doesn't look crazy high owned either. Nobody's playing Alex Noren at 8800. I don't think I have the balls but, to but, do it. By the way, no one should play him. No, yeah, yeah. He he absolutely sucks. Um, yeah. yeah, no one's playing your boy Cbez. Yeah, what a surprise! People are Love- finally catching on. Or? He's just expensive again, right? But a lot of people are playing Griffin, and a lot of people are playing Wallace. Um, I see a lot of bets on Wallace this week, and I, I, I don't know. Is that guy going back to back on the PGA Tour? So I looked into this. So basically, the reason people think he can get back to back, and I have bet him. Full disclosure, I've bet okay. him because I thought the number was just too big relative to, like, with all of what I'm about to say aside, I think it was just too big because I think he can place, because I think he's another one that the situation changes. I think he is motivated by the Masters. Every time he's had a clear goal, he he tends to perform. When everyone says, okay, well, he had six wins on the Alps Tour in one season, and he had three wins on the DP World Tour in one season, even of those three wins in the DP World Tour in that one season, the 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 event following the win sucked. Like, he, he won and then finished 38th in Rocco Forte. He won in Germany and then missed four cuts. Then he won the Danish uh, event, which was the final event before the kind of Ryder Cup cut off. And then he, he struggled to kind of make any impact, basically, for the rest of the season. I think that last one was down to the disappointment of, you know, winning three times and still not getting into the team, um, which in the end worked out fine because that was the year they won. But um, I think this is different because I think he's going from... The Corrales, which is not the most taxing tournament, at, you know, at all, 
it's sustained form because he'd already finished seventh at the Valspar the week before. He's now coming to a course where he knows he can win because he finished third behind Jordan Spieth in 2021 and played really well doing it. And he's got to get into the Masters. Like he 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 legitimately thinks he has a God-given right to be there, which he definitely doesn't. He's not as good as he thinks he is, but he's that way inclined. And I think just the factor of coming back to a course he knows he plays well at, getting that kind of PJ Tour monkey off his back, and going to the Masters, I think it kind of couples up into to repeat success. But I think he's a better bet than he is a DraftKings player because I think he could miss the cut. Yeah. So what you're saying is his win last week does nothing to quell his desire and motivation to continue to win. No. Um, and I think that makes some sense. Uh, it's not for me. It's not for me. Um, Interesting that he's won before Tommy on the PJ Tour, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're almost similar in a way. They are. Um, they are. I mean, I, Tommy's a better player, but like in terms of just, I just think Wallace just gets through it on sheer like confidence. He thinks he's better than he is, and and, and he isn't. But if he, if winning the Corellis puts him forward, then great. I think he's a great better fifties. I think he's probably a terrible DraftKings play because I think he's live to win or miss the cut. Yeah, I'd like to see him miss the cut personally. <laughs> uh, uh, nothing against him, just just my lineups and whatnot. Um, D, what do you think about Dietrich? I always like to get your opinion here. It's just boring, isn't he? Yeah, it's just just disappointing. I don't think there's any winning upside for him right now. Um, on paper, he should be a better course. I'd rather play Hoygaard at eight. Can he win? Yeah, more likely than Dietrich. Okay. So yeah. if if I had to go with someone just purely on winning, but I guess maybe Dietrich's the safer play for DraftKings if that's what we're talking about. But I'd probably just opt for neither of them just because I didn't have to make a decision. That's where I'm leaning to neither of them. Um, Nikolai is going to be way less owned and cheaper. So that's, I mean, so I guess if, you know, you're going to play one of them, you'd play the guy who's cheaper and lesser owned. I, I think he's actually a better player as well. Yeah, I think so. The ceiling's higher for who he's going to going to be. Um, yeah. Why, why is Nikolai, so that he's he's looking for that temporary membership, right? Yeah. And he's playing a lot. How come Rasmus, like, wasn't for, at the beginning, I know Nikolai was playing better than him, but then wasn't there a year and a half stretch or so over the last well, couple of years so where Rasmus was better? During COVID, Rasmus was better. He won three times, whereas Nikolai had only won once, I think. Nikolai was the better amateur. Rasmus took the professional better. Um, and then he, Rasmus is incredibly consistent, whereas Nikolai is more volatile and can probably put himself in a chance to win more. But when Rasmus gets there, he does it. Um, I think Rasmus is hurt. Okay. I think, because he just doesn't seem to be playing anywhere near as much golf as he should be, which suggests to me that there's maybe some injury problems there. Is Nikolai going to make the Ryder Cup team? Uh, I think he would need a win at some point. I don't, I don't think it matters which tour it is, but I think he, I think he would need a win, but he should. Yeah, now with Rosie playing better and everything, he you know that's another spot probably, right? There's, there's quite a few spots up for grabs, though. Like, yeah. it, like it's... Maybe him or Bob Mack or something like it's that. Probably, there's probably only seven players that are really a lock for the, the European Ryder Cup team at the moment. I guess there's Rory, Rahm, Hovland, Lowry, Hatton, Fleetwood. Six. I think Rose is a lock now that he won. In terms of betting, though, he's still like, they're still saying he's a 50-50 chance. So are they? Yeah. Let, let's say seven. I would probably say seven. That leaves number five spaces, though. Yeah, and then you and got Donald's got six picks, so I think it's probably Hoygaard, Perez, Bob. Like McIntyre is basically being given like the green light to get him, which I think is a horrendous choice. I don't think he's done anything to prove it. Um, 
I would definitely take Hoygaard over him, but we shall see. Another guy that kind of may come up into that list, Aaron Rye at 7-9. Yeah. Um, I don't know. He's not for me either. He's so consistent, though. Yeah. The only thing, I mean, the, the only thing I, like I've said to you before about Aaron Rye is when it feels like it's going to be a good week for him, it isn't. Mm-hmm. That, that's always what puts me off. But he was 19th at the players, but he was actually fourth going into the final round. Um, he was 53rd the week before that at Bay Hill, but he was uh, fifth after the first round, 20th after the second round. He was 29th uh, at the Genesis, 42nd the week before that, which I guess was Phoenix again, better place than that halfway through. Playing some really solid golf, and he was 16th here on his debut last year. Was he 16th or was he 29th? Maybe I'm making the 16th up. 29th, you're right. Yeah, 29th. and then, um, But he, he was 7th in Houston back in November. Where am I getting sixteenth uh, from? He was seventh in this going into the final round. Okay, uh, I could see him playing well. Yeah, uh, um, he, no winning upside at all. Don't, that's don't how I feel. I've seen a lot of bets, and I guess I think that's kind of persuaded my opinion. Like I, I want to stay away from. Him. I see a lot of people betting him for some reason, and I just don't see him winning. I just feel the same about him as I did with Zwin Howe. I don't think he's anywhere near in terms of winning capability like everyone else thinks they are. But I, I, I don't understand why Zwin Howe seven hundred dollars more expensive than Rye when they've got the same winning upside and Rye's probably a safer bet here. I think I'd rather play Putnam than um than Rye, who's half the half the uh, ownership. He has an eighth place finish here. Um he played pretty well last week, you know, got killed by Kitayama, but he made it out of the out of the group stage. I think it's a pretty good course for him. Yeah, I never know what's to do with Putnam now. Like he I really liked him, thought he was on a path to to winning again on the PJ tour and then just died. Um Good to see some life out of him last week. How much of it was putting? Um, all of it. Yeah, so that's what concerns me because, like, on a golf course where you can just kind of – because I think you you always hear on the commentary it's a bit cliche, but they kind of say, like, you're playing the man, and I think when you're doing that, you can win by just putting well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it can cover some cracks. Yeah, and he shaved his beard and long hair, and I think that's kind of, like, the best thing he had going for him. I saw that. I was like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. that, that – it made him recognizable again, but now he's just a just another uh, boring stick. Now he's just a generic. He might as well have just the American flag next to him on DraftKings. Exactly. Pendrith, are you going to go with him again? No, I don't. I just think he's not playing well. He's playing badly. Yeah, he's just he's he sucks right now. I I was thinking about it, but then I looked deeper into it. I'm like, I just can't. I, there's nothing that justifies playing him. Take the cheaper Canadian, Nick Taylor. Yep. I think he's I think he's playing incredibly solidly. Um, don't think that's kind of missed on people and the fact that he's he's never really played great here. I think he might have had a decent effort back in the day. Um, but not someone I kind of think of as a as a perfect fit for this. But twenty first and twenty second on his first two starts, he was sixth after fifty four holes the first time, twelfth the second time. May just have enough. He hasn't done anything since it moved into this kind of March spot, which may be something to keep an eye on. But, um, yeah, I think he can kind of top 20, top 30. Yeah, I have him as the second um, highest owned guy in the seven case. So not, yeah, that would put me off a bit. Um, but this in the first one, I guess, you know, I could skip around a bit, but the first one is going to be Ben Martin, who I am interested in. I did bet him at 100 to 1. Oh. I've bet him. I've bet him, and I think he's great for this. I, I, I understand why he's the highest price. I think he's mispriced at 7-1. I think he deserves to be the highest owned guy in the 7K range. Yeah, I was a little and, I, and I'd still play him. I agree. I wish he was the highest 
uh, I wish he was the highest price guy in the 7K range to make yeah. his ownership down. I, I was bummed when I saw the pricing. Almost like next week. It's like if they price day at 8,100, then I'm just going to say shit. But that's how I feel about this play. I love the play. The price is absurd. Um, because I'm starting Ricky Cooch, I'm probably still playing despite the ownership just because it just makes everything work a lot better. And I think he's just has such a high floor because the way he's striking the ball right now. Yeah, no, I agree. I think he's great. Uh, maybe a pivot off of him a little bit. Well, probably not because I guess I've seen his name floating around a little bit as well. Pat and Kazara, 7-5. 7-5, Pat and Kazara. Um, yeah, I think he has some decent history. Yeah, he's got a he's got a top 10 here. Uh, he was ninth on his debut two years ago. He missed a cut last year, but he wasn't playing well. And he's just come back to life a little bit. I mean, he was 65th at the Players, which is not great. But he was 10th last week, at the two weeks ago, at uh, the Valspar. Mm-hmm. Uh, 11th for the Amex, where he obviously plays well. Another guy that just playing well, you'd expect him to play well, and that's a good sign. Got a good Texas history as well. Yeah, yeah, and he um he is he actually isn't very popular, so yeah, he's a good pivot. Good, let's go with that. Uh, people that I think are absolutely dead down here. Sepp Stracker, I think he's you know our form. He got waxed in the match play, which isn't a surprise. Um, hasn't done anything here to suggest that he can play well here, so he's a no. Hayden Buckley's an interesting one. I don't know what's going to happen with him, but Current form suggests you should steer clear of him. Um, and I don't know if Patrick Rogers is going to get any you know, popularity, but he doesn't play well here either. Yeah, no. Um, Higo will be a little bit popular. I, I, don't, I do like him a little bit. I, I bet him because I got, saw 110 to 1. I'll, I'll bet that, but I'm not going to play him on draft because I think he's too volatile. Just say, it's just the same thing with Higo every every week, right? Like, don't don't draft Kings him. Just bet him and hope that he's 100 to 1 and gets you to win. Whenever he goes down in the lower numbers, you don't bother betting him and if he gets to the kind of 6Ks, maybe he's a good DraftKings play. But um, when he's this mid-range guy that you need to get through the cut, um, I'm easy to kind of skip. How about Molinari? He, he hasn't played well here, but he have any chance of making the Ryder Cup in Italy? I was really hoping he would. He Well, he like he's another one that basically people are starring because it's Italy and like he's shown flashes of Bay Hill and Abu Dhabi, but he's still shit, right? He is, like, he's sick. Like it's it's actually sad how bad he is. I, I think it is sad. I think he just way outperformed the, that two or three year stretch was just too good. Like yeah, he was, he was never going to live up to that. And he's now gone. Like rather than being as good as he was, where he could consistently play well on the DP World Tour, play well in the odd WGC, play well at the major, he then like went all the way up. Um, you know, contending for. You know, winning majors and contending for the Masters, and I think he's just brought him to the lowest possible floor he can get to. Um, I think he's such a good player that he somehow manages to make cuts still when he's playing as badly. But um, I, I don't like where he is right now, and I don't like his chances of making the team either, unless it was like a sympathy vote. Yeah. Um, I EVR I played in bet. Um, yeah. 100. Same similar thing to the Higgle thing, right? 100. And, 50 or 125 to one. So I just bet Ricky and Cooch and then a couple guys above a hundred, um, Martin, him, Higo. Um, so I think he's a decent play, uh, even though he's more of a better bet than a DraftKings play. I still think he's a, a decent DraftKings play as well. Yep. No, I, I think he's okay. I, I think he burned a few people as well last week. Didn't he? That, that kind of that yeah. put them off. Maybe that's a, that's only a pass. I think so. Um, there's a little bit of that to it. I don't know. I don't know what the upside is with EVR. Is he because he's kind of got that recognisable Pringles face and joggers combo that he's popular, or is he actually that good at golf? 
Yeah, I think um, he, he does have spike weeks where he does gain a lot of uh, shots on approach, and I think, you know, that's part of it. I think um, I just think he does have winning upside. I don't know. He may, might be a little bit overrated, but the stats are usually good, and I think a lot of people do stat models and stuff. He goes to the top because of that, so I think that could be another reason. Do, does the Pringles joke translate to America? Yeah, yeah, I can. I I never heard it before, but I can see it now that you say it. The curved mustache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mullinax um, is interesting. Three missed cuts here, and then a second where you should have won. This is a guy that we kind of talk about quite regularly in terms of how well he's played since he got that win. Eighth at Bay Hill, two missed cuts since. I think he's a decent player at seven three. Yeah, yeah. He um, where was I on him a couple of weeks ago that he really screwed me? Uh, I think it was Valspar. Valspar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Like the I, form I no suggests fear. you need to stay away from him. And the fact that three out of the four years he misses a cut here is probably the lesson. But I just in terms of people with winning upside in the low sevens, I think he's there. How about how about your boy Lingmurth? Lingmurth's in. Lingmurth okay. is Lingmurth is probably alongside Martin the best value player of the week. I, I agree. He's not crazy popular either. His iron play has been, what, behind Hatton the best in the field, maybe? Yeah, Sixth, up there. 48th, 7th, 15th, the last four events in strokes gain approach. Um, unlike a Martin, he doesn't necessarily need the field strength to come down. He seems to obviously perform well in, you know, play well at the players and things like that as well. Followed that sixth up at the players with a 27th at the Valspar. He was 10th going into the final round, despite the fact that his putter was just running incredibly cold and his course form here is not great but i think he's he's shown a couple of flashes to suggest he could do well here and the correlating courses have been um kind of like sony's finished up there mike Obrey's finished well there he's played well at colonial twice which suggests um good texas form as well so there's plenty to like about lingmurf despite the fact that because when people talk about the course form like everyone kind of points to this like you have to have had a top 30 finish and basically what happens is they look at every winner and it, it, i do it as well so this is no like slate on the people to do it but they keep moving the goalposts to like so it was top 10 before they win then it's top 20 and then because spawn was 27th before he won it has to go to top 30 and you keep moving that sliding scale and you rule out uh, Ben Martin because his best is 34th. And then you go to Lingberth and he's only finished 44th and 51st. But he was actually playing really well. Um, he was 18th at the halfway stage when he was 44th. So I think that when he's actually playing well, there's no reason this course could be good for him. So always dangerous to kind of look at those trends and, and rule people out. I've, I've written in my own piece, like someone who's finished tied 30 or better at San Antonio before. I've, I've done the same thing. But... I've also kind of qualified it later on in the article by saying, you know, as long as they've kind of shown that they can finish top 30, then you should probably be, dig deep into them. So that's a long-winded way of saying yes to David Ingmar. Yeah, I mean, he's he, if he made one extra seven-foot putt, he was top 30 when he yeah. finished 44th, right? So yeah. there's no real difference. I agree like, with that. Uh, that's the thing people don't look at. Like, I, I, I think there's still a little bit of a... Um, you know, people that use Fancy National are kind of, you know, clocking onto this because they're looking round by round of data and things like that. But people don't look at round by round uh, positions as much as I think they should. No, they and I, I would argue they don't even look at round by round data as much because I use Fancy National too. And for me, it's like this. It's really hard to get that round by round snapshot more. So it's much more convenient to do do tournament by tournament. Like, do you think? Like when people look at Lingmurf and he's finishing sixth at the players and then 27th of Valspar, people just go like he's dropped off. 
Yeah. When really, so, like, what... I understand he has, but like by the same token, he was sixth going into the final round for a second week in a row with a bad putter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think people do miss that. Yeah. And we, so, you know, yeah. we talked about that hidden form, hidden form, and that's kind of what you're alluding to. But yeah. whenever I used to talk, you know, when you and I first started doing the show and talking about it like that, whenever you would bring those those items to me about the hidden form, I hadn't seen it before or heard it before. So I, I do think, you know, people who use Fancy National and, and even the American market doesn't look at round by round as much as you know you kind of do when you break it down. Yeah. So I, I think I think he's got some some value there. I actually think with Ling Murph and Ben Martin both at seven one. I think you're getting two people that can win this event. Like, I legitimately do think they can win the event. I'm not talking about people that, okay, if they have their absolute best week. I think the way they're currently playing, they are more than capable of winning. And if you put that, this is going to be a high ownership, obviously, lineup, but you can go, you can start Kim, Kurt, Kucher with Ling, Murph, and Martin, and then Good. leave yourself 7-6. Seven, six. That's 7-6, seven, six, got to go with a pivot, I would say. You have, of course you have. Or, or leave money on the table, yeah. Or you go like a really like six k guy and just and just give yourself some money. Yeah, leave a lot of money on the table. That's one way to do it. But I, I think one thing we haven't talked about that we need to talk about at this point is the yep. weather splits. Yeah. It's looking oh. like AM PM advantage. Okay. So I haven't looked at those because I don't because they just they drive me insane because I get all kind of caught up in them and then all of a sudden. They come off the golf course, or like where is it? The other, like the the DP World Tour event the other day paused because it was too windy. Yeah. Come on, like what do you mean it's too windy? Like that's part of, that's a factor of golf. So my fear is always that you kind of stack these things, and I'm not saying you're going to suggest to do that, but like that you do this, and then all of a sudden it just you lose favor. I I agree with that. I I, I never really wave stack, and I I think. The people who are smarter and better than me will tell you you should wave stack. I don't really yeah. do that. I think, but I think there's probably look, there's, there's too many people that say it that have a brilliant mind and play this well and people I respect that it's not a factor. It just I struggle to do it. What I would say is if it looks like this one's the clear advantage, may not be, maybe, but if it looks like it's a clear advantage, that's a good tiebreaker for a guy you want to play. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just looking at some of the people that we've already talked about, Ben Martin's going off early in round one. Uh, 752. Um, Nick Taylor's going off at 8:14 in the morning. My uh, guy Cooch, only only top dog going off early. If you want to call he, him a top dog, is he yeah. going off early? Is he, what time is he? Oh. 9:06, I think. 9:06, 9:09 maybe. Yeah, the rest of the guys are the rest of the guys above like 9800 are all PM. Why can't I find Cooch on here? That's concerning. And this is the other thing as well. I then just spend so much time looking for people that I actually lose. Oh, there he is. He goes up at eight oh three. No, I was I was really died of old age. Yeah, in the with Matt Wallace. Okay, eight oh three. Okay, good. So uh, maybe stack them together if you want. That's what I mean. So you could put you could put Cooch Wallace and you know some of the other guys together. It's interesting that they kind of put him in that spot. Like, do they not see him as a an attraction anymore? Yeah, I, mean, I, I get it. Like, but it's not exactly full of stars, is it? Yeah, but a lot of times you see the AM PM on the stars because they want the those the stars on the the PM broadcast on Friday. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. By the way, I love that. Just look at these tea times. I love the fact they put Callum Tarrant and Alex Norrin in Luke Donald's group as if to say that like Callum Tarrant's being watched for the Ryder Cup. <laughs> Maybe he is. I mean, the, the team is, is struggling. I, I love Callum Tarrant, but is it that bad? Yeah, it, it is bad, but no, I don't think that bad. Um, Norrin's got a lot to prove this week if people want this kind of factor. He's 
he's legitimately crap. Yeah, I yeah, I I, I don't want him on the team. Um, I'm not interested. I have so many questions too about uh, live and pairings and stuff. But I guess we should save it all for next week. But I just I just want to talk about the Masters. But I guess we can uh, talk about. Like, we, these... We're gonna have we're gonna have a great discussion of the Masters on Sunday or Monday. Um, it may even take a couple of shows, but we shall see. Uh, where do we get to? We, we were kind of down to the seven ones. Anyone else in the sevens? Yeah, I mean, just the last guy we should talk about, I think, is Batia, who, all full disclosure, I bet at 150. I don't think he's going to win. I don't think he can win this event. I don't think it's a great course for him. I'm not going to play on DraftKings. I bet the 150 just because I've been on him in the past, and I can't allow him to win, you know, at 150 to one. You just, you know, put a little, a couple bucks on it. Um, but I don't, I don't love it for him. That's just a sheer talent number, right? Yeah. Yep. It's as simple as that. Like we're talking about someone like a, like a Higo. They're, they're just more talented than their numbers suggest. They're volatile. I prefer it when it's a bit more coastal for Batia or a bit more, you know, wider or whatever. What about Charlie Valero, Texas Open, Hoffman? He's coming in very low owned. Um, because people been... have finally given up on it, right? Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, like, I could play him, but I also think he might just be done. 14th at Phoenix is the only thing I would say. Like Phoenix, I, I think he is he from Phoenix. I think like, so. Yeah. Based in Phoenix, like I just wonder if like just pure comfortability at his age just turns up two or three times a year, just tries to keep hold of that card. Right, and this would be the comfortability, obviously. Yeah, nowhere better. He's gained on, on approach in four straight starts. I think that's a good thing. But the bad news is he's missed a cut in every one of them. Yeah, like he's he's can't putt right now. He's just not good at golf anymore, and, no. and the, the game's passed him by. But I just, I just wonder, like I, I would like if there was an ownership, any ownership on him at all, I like, very easily pass. But the fact that just no one's looking at him just makes me think, is he worth sneaking in? Like I could play him. He's priced at seven. Like if he's priced at six five, people are playing him. Right? Yeah, yeah, they they are. I I could play him. I could definitely play him. It's almost I actually prefer the fact he's seven k because it makes yeah. people think. Um, so if you're if you're pivoting off of one of those kind of Ben Martins, Ling Murph picks or whatever, then he's probably the way to do it. I do like Harry Hall as well. So. Yeah, I didn't really look at him, to be honest with you. No one's Se- really playing him. 7th and 13th in two of his last three starts. So 13th for the Crowleys. 7th, I think, must have been Puerto Rico. So he's, he's another guy that when the field is weaker, he plays well. 34th for Pebbles, 7th for Puerto Rico, 13th for Crowleys. I think he benefits a lot from... Um, just the elites being out of it, and that's the case this week. Talk about guys being motivated. This is a career changer if he goes on and gets into the Masters. Is he 25 years old or 45 years old? <laughs> I mean, he is 25, but he definitely, uh, he definitely dons hats like a 45 year old. Just look at his picture. Um, I can't tell. He could be either one. He, yeah. I mean, he's a he's a strange person. Um, but then I think did him, Scotty, and Cameron Young just all get their passports and driving license from the same office? Yeah, I, I think so. They're not, they're not all mid-20 guys, are they? No, 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 no. Um, so, yeah, that makes some sense. No one's playing him. I get it. Yeah, um, I like that. How about Glover, uh, 69? I love Glover. This was Me this too. was the one I was excited to talk about in the 6K range. I hate the 6K range in general at the moment, but Lucas Glover is playing well, and I flagged him up at Valspar as going off, and I said to know that he would go off and have a good start and probably fade away, and that's exactly what he did. He finished 36th. Uh, started uh, fourth after round one, 12th after round two, 25th going into the final round. So progressively got worse after every round, but that's to be expected when you're not playing the best goal for your career. But 14th, 4th and 18th since this event moved uh, to March spot again. The iron numbers are a little concerning for me. He hasn't really 
So this is what I was thinking. Like I said this on the betting show last night. Like if, if he showed any signs with his irons and his tee to green, I would have bet him as well because that's when you know to bet Lucas Glover. Whereas at the moment, I'm just going by course form and current form. Um, but I think that is what, like he can't be getting much ownership, right? Because he's not, he's not, you know, flashing in the stat models. A little bit though, five six percent, which is more than mm-hmm. most of the guys around in the area. Is that just because of lack of anything else around him? It could be. It could be. Fratelli. Oh, I bet him last year, and I remember he was like in the penultimate group uh, going into into Sunday, and uh, I thought he had a chance, but he was he shit the bet on Sunday, and I looked into him, but he's playing horribly. Yeah, no, I, I don't like him at all, but I just wonder whether he might be popular around this range. Um, Troy Merritt is basically dead as a golfer right now. I know he's oh, good. Chapel. Chapel's great. So yeah, I, th- I think that Glover and Chapel are the two guys I can trust down here. I like Chapel. I mean, I was surprised. Like, obviously a former winner here, so that's good. And he fin- and he played well here last year, even when he was playing horribly elsewhere. Um, and then now you look at what he's done recently. I mean, 29th at Honda, 15th at Puerto Rico, 16th at, at Corrales. I think he's a great play. It's what I want to see. I want to see these guys uh, working their way back or not quite as talented as the other, just make sure they're consistently playing well when the field strength suggests that they should. Kevin Chapel should play well in the field strength that he's been playing in. And now he returns to the Valero where he absolutely loves. Um, I think he's that rare breed of a really good bet and a great draftings player as well. I agree with that. Um, I actually bet him like 250 to one, which I think is, is really that's, good. That's wild. It's yeah. Just makes so sense. I kind of I think another name down here as well. I'm just going to double check to make sure I don't make a fool of myself here. But Andrew Novak was someone I kind of had in my head as well. Um 20, 20th, 29th, 44th, missed cut, 27th, 46th, current form. So just generally making cuts every time. And uh, 24th in his debut here. That's good. My concern is that he's like a Florida guy. Um, he's done a lot of good stuff in Florida. And I think he played well over that Florida swing. Um, he, I think he won a, a, a amateur event in, in Florida too uh, a while ago. But um, yeah, he's playing all right. I, I, I'm a little scared of him though. Played, finished 12th at the Sony, where there's a lot of correlation between the two events. I kind of like that. Um, other than that, I think he gets real thin real quick down here. How about Vinny Norman? He was good at Corrales and Puerto Rico, missed a cut at Valspar. He good. flashed in the ball striking last week, I think, a little bit. Yeah, so he was third in driving distance, which is not a surprise, but top 33 in both driving accuracy and greens regulation as well. I thought it was pretty solid. Yeah, nobody's playing him like under one percent. Uh, I just think he kind of has a, has a bit of a ceiling just because of his ball striking. Yeah, uh, Sam Stevens. No. Seventh in driving distance and greens regulation last week as well. Don't like his name. <laughs> so generic. Um, <laughs> Carlson Young was first in driving actually ninth in greens regulation last week. I think he's actually had a couple of mentions already. I don't really see anything other than his ball striking last week as a reason to play him. I've the got, one thing that concerns me with all these guys that played well last week was how many times have you looked at a guy's stat page and you've seen miscut, miscut, seventh at Puerto Rico, miscut, eighth at Corrales, miscut, miscut. Yeah, because they're just they're just different events, right? They're like, so different. There's like this is the the people that I'm interested in are the people that play well at Honda and Pebble as well. So people that yeah. play well at Pebble, so like the Ben Martins, like the Chris Kirks of this world, like Lingworth's playing well in the kind of Valspar and the, the players, obviously. Um, those ones that are kind of doing it at both really impress me. The ones that are just doing it at the kind of three events is kind of scary. Yeah, that's, I agree with that. I've got one Hail Mary pick for you. Okay. And this is 
this is from basically Brad's brain uh, on the betting show last night. Chandler Phillips. Chandler Phillips. Won on the Corn Ferry Tour at the start of the year. He won in Bahamas. Followed it out with a 12th place finish the following week as well. Um, a week after winning. Has missed the cup three times since. But he's only been a pro since 2019. He's got a fifth, a first and a 12th on the Corn Ferry Tour already. He's a Texas native. And that's why he's got the invite. Huh. What's his price? 6100 Chandler Phillips. Well, if you want to make that chalky five-guy team and you want to play a fourth guy, play him because he <laughs> put him in. He, he, he might not be in a lineup. Born from Huntsville, Texas, um, college Texas A&M. He's played what? four events on the PGA Tour. He's only made one cut, but he's been out there and he's won on the Corn Ferry Tour already. And he looks like EVR. He's a dashing mustache. Yeah, it's just EVR. Yeah. Um, he's like the other flavor of Pringles. Yeah, if you, I mean, if you, if you're feeling really wild and sexy, you can go for it. He, yeah, I just, I just look at him and just think, well, that's a cheap guy that you can. I mean, I know there's other people down here, like people look at like Trevor Waybler, whatever his name is, Kevin Roy, Westmoreland comes up in ball striking every now and then. Like these people are there, but this, this Phillips looks like a guy that can actually win events. He won't win at this level, but um, yeah, for his interest. Cool. Landry, didn't Landry win here? Landry has won here. Um, I think he won the year that Mullinax should have won. Um, and he's kind of finding a little bit of form again, 40th and 45th. But uh, it's just Andrew Landry, isn't it? It's so volatile. Well, he, o- he only lost 11.5 strokes on approach at the American Express. Perfect. Sign me up. That's <laughs> a bonus. Do you know who I thought was really weird last week? That Ricky Barnes had a chance to win a golf tournament last week. He's a Texas guy, isn't he? Yeah, and he was 33rd at Puerto Rico, 7th at the Corrales. I mean, he's that definite, that prototypical guy of, yeah, he's flashed into events and shouldn't play in anything else. But interesting name, I thought. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, has he done anything here? It's a good question. I did not look at that because I don't believe that he can do anything. But let's just have a look. Uh, 51st in 2018. I haven't gone back further than that yet. 4th in 2016. There you go. Ricky Barnes. It's like, if you're going to go back with, it's like, that's probably the year that Kevin Chappell plays best golf as well. So it's the same guy. Yeah. There you go. I mean, Ricky Barnes is about 10 years old and even definitely crippled, but yeah. What else do you need here? Yeah. It's is it dicey? Is there anyone else? No, but I do want to say this. I don't know if I'm supposed to say it or not, but I didn't, rem- I didn't realize that it was, um, Taylor Moore and, and Nick, uh, Nico Ekavari, yeah. who did the 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 taking yeah. pictures of the girl thing. Yeah, I saw that. Like, because someone tweeted basically saying like we're we're celebrating these people and these are two people that have been arrested in college. Yeah, you I, wouldn't. I, I wouldn't get that vibe from Taylor Moore because I felt so sorry for that guy because he was had like two like collapsed lungs or something ridiculous, doesn't he? Uh, yeah. Which gets him out of golf, and then you realise that actually there's probably more to it than that. <laughs> like, I, I read the story afterwards. I looked deep into it because I was interested, and it's pretty damning. Yeah, it's not good. It's not a, it's not a good thing to have on your uh, resume, and I'm sure they're not glad that's come out. Um, no. Especially when they're both winners in the past. Kind they of won in the same two. week. Yeah. Interesting. Or two weeks apart. Interesting. They, yeah. they also lost things in the same week. So They did. They did. Yeah. Tough scene. It's not, it's not a good thing. Does that, that did strokes lost, like, were arrested once coming to Echeverria? I think so. And then so that that's my one random thought of the week. My second random thought of the week 
no correlation to this event or anything. I just want to give a shout out to my guy, uh, Travis Smith, for getting in the Open Championship, um, for winning the Hong Kong. He's a he's a good guy. I've been getting friendly with him on, on Twitter. We talk a good amount. Um, I like him a lot. I think he's a pretty good player too. So I'm I'm happy he's going to be playing at Hoylake. Is he is he still on it? No, 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 no. He got he was on it though, right? Yeah. Well, I was talking to him a couple of weeks leading up to the season. It was like a week before. And I was like, well, are you going to be on the Rippers or what? And he was like, I, he's like, I still have no, I have no clue. And it was like six days before the season started. And he said he had no so clue. He's obviously going to be one of those reserve guys. Like Andy Ogletree's got in this week and he's one of those reserve guys. Laurie Kant has won for the um, yep. Majestics or whatever. So he's obviously going to be one of those guys, which is, that's a horrible place to be. But it's great that he goes and gets something out of the Asian tour. That's the, that's the one thing people can't take away from. The ones that, like they say, oh, it's such a bad decision, you can just get booted off, but then they've got a pathway on the Asian tour, whereas they're not necessarily getting anything over here. Yeah, I think it's a, I mean, it's a good deal for them, whereas, like, people, like, I think a big thing was made of it when they first started, like, relegating guys off lib, like, oh, now now those guys are fucked, they just get pushed off, You get they get nothing from it, but, like, no, they actually are, they get to go play in the Asian tour, and they can earn their way back if they want to. <laughs> I hate to do this, because we haven't done it for a while. So they get relegated to the Asian Tour and they can work their way back on to live. A bit like the PJ Tour is going to relegate people off of the elevated events and they can work their way back in through the non-elevated events. Yeah, if you, if you, right, if they're going to say you want to play in it, then go win the other events or go earn your way in the other events. <laughs> it's, it's just not different. It's just no, it's, 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 different. It's, it's like the difference is where the money came from. And if you can get past yeah. that, you can get past it. If you can't, you can't. It's, it's literally as simple as that. And one thing I'd say about Liv is that their logos and their social media efforts are bad. And uh, the communications are bad. And the, um, every, also, a lot what, of I don't, what I don't get, why did Louis Ustazen finish fourth on the leaderboard in the last event? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I didn't even look. I didn't watch the event. I didn't look into it. But I did hear someone talking about it. So I don't get it. Like I was, I was rising up the other day. And he was in the playoff with Danny Lee, Carlos Ortiz, and I forget who the other guy was. Um, Steel. And Steel. And he finished fourth, whereas the others finished tied second. <laughs> and I, 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 don't know. I couldn't work it. I didn't know if it was like his team was lower than the others. Like, yeah, I had no idea. But I don't think it was. I think his, his team was higher. So I don't know. I don't get it. That's the one thing. I, I still There's still a lot of things that are unanswered and not good about it that they're, they've actually almost they took steps forward and then they've gone backwards a little bit. I think the fact they didn't get the players they wanted to is hurt them. And that and there's some there's a lot of little things, but like I noticed too, like they're trying to push the team um, logos and stuff, trademarks, and that's more stuff I want to talk about for next week. I'm just so excited to talk about the Masters, but um, but you can't buy their team gear anywhere. The only thing they sell is one hat, one live golf. Yeah, hat. yeah, yeah. It's um it's weird. And also I, I heard the other day that. Uh, Thomas Peters did the Barstool thing, and he doesn't wear the team gear anyway. He doesn't? No. So he he couldn't get out of his contract with Nike, which is weird because every other sponsor just dumped them immediately. Couldn't get out of the contract with Nike and didn't want to. So he's wearing Nike for the rest of the season. And then they've all got to go to team wear and team bags next season. So I think it's they have to let their contracts expire. Yeah. They, they don't have to, like, you know, renege on the ones that are already active. Like, I think Neiman still wears the Adidas hat. And, like... Um, the, the Torque shirt. And it makes me laugh. Like, Poulter's like, I don't have to wear all the more PGA watches anymore. I'll just wear what I want. And it's like, yeah, I'm sure you're devastated that you can't wear those $55,000 watches anymore. Like, that sucks. Yeah. Um, oh, I know. Yeah. Um, so, 
my, my sympathy for some of them is definitely waning a little bit but um yeah it's weird like it's weird that they lean into it and then don't let people buy it um i think the point that was made is that they will have to be like team if they're ever going to be successful it'll be like team tailor-made team tightless team mercedes-benz or whatever like it will have to be the same as formula one for it to be successful um yeah it won't be you can be the range coats and it'll be successful yeah it's 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 i i agree give it a fair chance um just to see like just product alone i just want to see what it's about i personally can't get into it i can't watch the events i can't like it if i bet on it there's a guy in the mix i'll watch it but other than that i can't right now i can i can only get into it based on personal um relations i guess like i have people i've spoken to that are playing on the tour that yeah i root for but it's as simple as that um Mm -hmm. And I hope they do well, and I hope they cash one of those four million dollar winning like tickets. It's as simple as that. Um, yep. Other than that, I have no real interest at the moment. Should we summarise these picks for for Valero before we get too interested in Live and the Masters before yeah. Sunday? Let's yeah. do that. So we're both in agreement. Fowler's not only our favourite play at 10k, but the only play. Yes. 9k i'm gonna go with siwoo kim at 9.7 i think he's actually potentially one of the most underrated golfers on the pj tour i'm gonna go with kuchar i think he's winning the event <laughs> back to back on the masters that'd be interesting yeah um 8k i'm gonna go with this is gonna go slightly against the fact that i bet matt wallace i think that hoygaard 8k is a good play I don't really like anyone in this range, but if I, I was going to play, I hate it. yeah, if I was going to play somebody, I would, it would actually be Hoygaard too, just because he's way less owned than Dietrich. Yeah, I was looking at it thinking I was going to find more players, and that was actually a really short range and not one I want to dive into. Uh, I do like Aaron Wright at seven nine. If you do want to take someone at the top of the seven K range, but my favourite plays are Ben Martin and David Lingmurth. Yeah, um, they're my favourite plays too, Martin and Lingmurth. I also think uh, EVR is worth a shot. Yeah, like that. Um, 6k i think we do we both have a little bit of interest in glove yeah i'm I'm a little skeptical just because of the ball is striking though so i'm not completely sold prefer chapel i prefer chapel as well um i think vincent norman could be a little bit of a shot just based on the ball striking might be lower uh you know lower scoring uh week so maybe he could kind of stay in the mix i'll tell you one player that I, we didn't talk about i was potentially a little bit interested in is michael kim playing well enough to do something I don't know. He tweets a lot, though. He tweets an awful lot. He feels like the the second coming of James Hahn. Um, yeah. But he was 11th at Pebble, 5th at Puerto Rico, 26th at the Corrales, 45th at the Valspar was good enough, 35th at the RSM. Like, he's having a bit of a renaissance. This is a guy, didn't he win by, like, eight shots on his first ever win? Yeah. Was, was that in Texas? John Deere, I think it was. Okay, yeah. Um, Maybe. But that's. I think there's been some sort of correlation with where he went, like, where he won and, and here. He's missed two cuts here, but I think if you go back a little bit further, he might have actually made the cut on debut. I'm just going to have a look. I'm pretty sure he did win by an extreme amount on the first win. I could be making that up, so I'm going to check. He does have a 20, 21st here. Yeah, he won the John Deere Classic by eight strokes from Bagoon, Damon, Molinari, and Ryder. And he was 17th low amateur at the US Open in 2013. So, like, the stock, like, he was, wasn't he on Max, uh, Max Homer's team? Yeah, yep. So 21st think, and 2016 here. Yeah, I, th- I think he's I think he's playing well enough to to do something at 6-5. So that'd be another name I'd throw in. Yeah. 
Yep. And if you really want to go Hail Mary and go 6-1 at Chandler Phillips, but I wouldn't recommend, well, I do now because he looks like EVR, but generally wouldn't be able to pick out, uh, pick him up from a uh, lineup of one. So, yeah, Chandler Phillips at 61 is definitely risky. Yeah. Matt, I think that's it. I think any more would be encroaching into our Masters content. We've got to save our voices for that, save our uh, interest for that. I can't wait for the pricing to come out. Can't wait for the odds to kind of change as we get some kind of bigger place terms, some you know some odds go out and some players to try and get your uh, attention. Any early shouts for the Masters? Yeah, are you keeping them keeping in touch your chest for now? Well, I bet a day 65 a couple of weeks ago um, or three weeks ago, and I love that now. I mean, 22. I don't think you can bet that. I think that's crazy. Although I do think it's probably pretty accurate considering I think he's one of you know 10 or 15 guys who can win. I think he probably has a seventh rate best chances, which m- makes him 22 to one right right now. So I get that. Um, but I love the 65, uh, and that's the, that's the one I I'll, I'll save the rest for next week. Yeah, I, I've still got a hundred to one ticket on day for the PJ Championship that I placed in December. Yep. Uh, really happy with that. Um, it could mean nothing by the time it gets there. But um, I do like Siwoo Kim. I think there's definitely some value there. And I think if, if the, one thing I would say at the moment is I think that John Rahm of the three at the top has the least pressure on him and the clearest yeah. path. Yeah, and I, I guess I'll say now I'm, I'm going to be betting him too, but I just think the number gets better, not worse. So I think it's the best to wait. Yeah, absolutely. It always, I think always with those guys is best to wait because they try and push you to bet them. Um, yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll catch up about that. Maybe we'll maybe we'll touch on some betting uh, when we do the show on on Sunday and Monday as well. Yeah, absolutely. Matt, thanks to everybody, and we will catch up during the week.